Hello, welcome to OS News Podcast, episode number 31. Uh, it's January the 9th, 2010. And uh, uh, introductions, in fact, surprisingly, in the podcast last week, we were saying about, oh, do we need to do introductions anymore? We've done 30 shows. And lo, the comments said, there were several comments of, I don't know who is who. So, this one talking now, this is the crocodile, okay? And happily, I'm joined by, uh, I guess we had last week, it's Tess Flynn. Hello. That's the Linux chick. <laughs> and by OS News owner David Adams. Greetings. Excellent. Every time you say that, I just want to think of greetings programs. <laughs> just make, think of Tron. <laughs> and by the way, who is excited for the for the uh, Tron? Um, uh, I guess it's not a remake. It's a it's a uh, sequel. sequel. The Tron, Tron sequel. Yeah. Oh, very oh, much God. so. Let's, um, let's just hope it doesn't turn out like the War Games sequel. Oh, oh man. Was there a War Games sequel? It was. What? Yes, there was a War Games sequel. It was IMDb, <laughs> I don't even want to know about it. <laughs> I, think that it I think that it was uh, done by an IREX group, which is something that I do every weekend. Anyways. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to look through that. Okay. Um, my concern is, is that it looks wonderful, and and, and I, I really like what they've done with the visual design, etc. Because um, Tron being a sort of very 80s, um, how do you really um, represent that in, in what what it means to be 2000 or well, 2010 now? And I'm hoping to go to go to London and see it in a, in IMAX uh, when it does come out. My biggest concern is is. I know they can make it lovely, because computers are powerful enough to do that. But uh, Disney have not been so hot with stories at the moment, and it's kind of why Pixar have always succeeded, is because the story has come first. You write a really, really good story, then you make it. Well, sure. The, you know, get, getting, something that, getting something that looks great, uh, you know, even though they sometimes mess it up, um, that's not the hard part in filmmaking anymore. Uh, and, you know, it constantly... It constantly both baffles and infuriates me that the most basic aspect of of making a film, which is you know a, a, the story, yeah. is is so is so often the thing that that gets that gets that they they totally cock it up. I mean, it it, it just oh, drives yeah. me bananas. I mean, a, and, a really uh, good example of that is actually the new Avatar movie. Because uh, a thread went around the the feeds that I'm following last week about project you know, project 880, which was apparently the original concept that turned into Avatar, and reading what that was supposed to be, that would have been a whole hell of a lot more interesting than the movie. Uh, the studio must have just cut that thing to shreds. <laughs> It's true. It's sad, and you know, an Avatar didn't end up being a bad movie, but it didn't it didn't reach its potential from a from a story standpoint, and that's that and that's usually the best that you can get these days with a big with a you know with a big movie. It seems like the best you can get is something that doesn't quite reach its potential, and then we're just happy for that because it wasn't completely crappy. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh... <laughs> Some films these days now you just go to see it because what well, I don't know the social social idea of it or that you just find it interesting or something but you just don't we just don't have such low expectations now. Oh, and, and by the way, OS News readers, if you haven't watched the full seventy-minute 
um, seven-part YouTube series of the the, the detailed critique of uh, the Phantom Menace that's been <laughs> running around in the blogosphere. Uh, I, I I admonish you. It may sound ridiculous. Like, how could I possibly watch a seventy-minute scathing review? of a movie, a crappy movie on YouTube in seven parts, you you have to do it. I don't know if I don't know, Croc and Tess, if you've watched that, but not even but heard of it. This is Miss My Radar. Oh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I think I must have missed that, but I, I did watch. Okay, so it, it's been going around, but but it's this guy uh, who who basically, and and he, apparently he's done it for other films, but the one that's really struck people's attention is 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 is, it's a it's a seven-part review of the phantom menace and basically why it's the worst movie that's ever made and it's so entertaining in fact star wars holiday special (laughs) 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 that is the worst movie ever made (laughs) well that's that yes certainly i can greatly um, um, criticize but i i I, i'm one of those extremely strange people who actually liked the first the phantom menace it no it does not compare to the to the other three but as a film i enjoy it more than two after you watch after after you watch this review you you will be disabused <laughs> so anyway, let let me throw out a source. The animated series where uh, they ha- they're having a court trial, and one of them says, "Objection! The podcast race was kind of cool." <laughs> now that we so have... on onto the subject at hand. Yes, now that we have stalled and uh, <laughs> managed to, to inflate the file size, um, onto the subject of of hand, and that is this week's podcast. Um, it has continued to be a, uh, a slow stream of news, and, and our uh, last week's podcast continues to be on the front page, so we don't have a huge amount to talk about. That said, um, Tom, unfortunately, is not here at the moment. Uh, the last I heard of him, he's off to pick up a, um, a car for his mum in the extreme winter temp- uh, weather that he's getting, so he could be stuck down a hole somewhere for all I know. Uh, we're going to discuss... Uh, a number of mobile things because um, both David and Tess are hot over the um, uh, Nexus One, um, and I'm interested in the sort of tablet side of things as well. Um, would any of you like to start off at all? Because I'm not all fait with Nexus One at all. I, I have no nothing really. It, it looks uh, like an incredibly well polished piece of equipment. It looks very nice. The unboxing really. Uh, shows the amount of care they wanted to put into the product, but it, it's also showing a lot of other uh, problems right now. There's a threat warning about uh, 3G coverage being a huge issue with the Nexus One. It's probably just that it needs a firmware upgrade. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I was very interested uh, in, in you know when hearing about you know basically google kind of striking out on their own in order to you know develop something without the poisonous influence of any carrier uh i was extremely excited because you know i, I it may, maybe that maybe i'm just being maybe i'm just just being kind of reflexively bigoted but it seems to me like everything that's wrong with the mobile computing landscape these days can ultimately be traced back to the uh, to, to to the to the carriers, um, or at least much. I, I guess I'm leaving out um, Apple's uh, uh, crummy 
treatment of, of their developer community. So that that's a major <laughs> one. But um, you can see this in, like, for example, one thing that's a continual annoyance is uh, a particular carrier, I'm not going to mention who, tends to uh, dictate that whatever BlackBerry goes onto their network, uh, it has to be a version that has less battery power than their competitors. And I've never got why they make that change every time. I think it happened with the, the 8900, and I think it happened with the Onyx as well. But jeez. <laughs> now, does it actually have does it actually have less battery power, or does the, or does uh, it just last last less on their it has network? Less milliamp some, power, basically. It really does. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, doesn't that just so why aren't you, you say, why aren't you saying which one it is? Well, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> yes. uh, what does it yeah, rhyme with? Someone that works in the business world will company, so I've got to be a little careful. <laughs> does it rhyme with uh, Horizon or... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, as, so as I was saying, I, I was quite excited about, uh, you know, Google's, Google's Google phone. And... Um, but I, you know, I must admit to to being a to being a little bit disappointed that um, uh, the, the 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 Nexus One doesn't seem to be um, quite the quite the the kind of quite the white knight that that a lot of people were hoping that it is that that, that it's going to be. I I think from a from a, a software design standpoint, it's it, you know it's quite likely the pinnacle of uh, of Android phones right now, but the hardware doesn't seem to be anything particularly special, um, and the fact that it doesn't that the fact that in the U.S. it only runs on T-Mobile uh, is is a problem. Well, so they're, they're, if that's going to change in a few months, they're going to get Verizon with with them by uh, I think it's. Spring this year, so it's going to it's going to change, and eventually, if you can get AT and T and Sprint on the line, that would basically be the bank shot. And AT and T is now becoming invested in Droid phones. They have actually, uh, so they're going to uh, be selling one by Dell. The Dell is it the X yeah. line? I forgot what it was called. Um, I saw this in the CES coverage in, in Gadget, although I haven't read anything. I've just been scrolling screenshots and, and seeing about this Dell coming with a phone as well. Now, before the iPhone came out, there was um, I, I, I distinctly remember rumours about a Dell phone and uh, information being leaked out that basically the carriers thought it was crap and wouldn't, didn't want to, to go with it, and Dell scrapped the whole idea. And again, Google denied ever making a Google phone, and lo and behold, here it is. Uh, what's going on here? Well, I, I think, you know... There's a, there's a big difference between a Dell phone um, coming out in the pre-iPhone era and a Dell phone coming out in the post-Android era. The truth is that getting the software right on a device like this is a, a massive undertaking. And, you know, in the past, the you know, especially going back to the, the stranglehold that carriers had on the hardware and consequently the software coming out you know you could come out with a phone with the coolest hardware in the world and it would still be crap and um, <laughs> you know so the, you know the, the big difference that we're gonna see over the next five years 
you know, particularly with Android, but also, you know, the, the several other um, mobile phone and mobile computing platforms that are that are out there that, you know, are being developed by by Intel and Nokia and Google uh, is that now companies that have the capability of designing decent hardware don't have to worry about that other most important part, which is, you know, getting the software right. They only have to worry about, you know, getting the integration of the software with their hardware right, which is a much less daunting task than, you know. But the they, problem they, with that is, though, that I think, I think the problem is, I think the carriers in the U.S. are genuinely terrified of the idea of losing the ability to dictate which phones go on their network because that's a huge monetization channel for them. If they've just become dumb carriers, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to sell themselves effectively when they can buy anyone in the US can buy any phone and that's fine. That's why they're fighting this. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, certainly. And 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 actually I was going to say, you know, one of the disappointments about the Google phone is that even though it's technologically possible for uh to have a phone uh uh even even a phone that will that that will run on CDMA and GSM networks. Um, it, you know, Google could have done it theoretically, and they didn't. Um, and so, you know, in, in the rest, you know, in the rest of the world, in the civilized world, uh, you can just buy a phone and you put your SIM in there. And if you want to change carriers, you put another per- carrier SIM in there. But in wow. the U.S., in particular, with with the you know with GSM. Uh, being second fiddle, really, to CTMA, um, it, 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 ta- it takes it, it, it's it's going to take a, a little bit more engineering wizardry uh, to to have a phone that truly frees you to be able to switch from one carrier to another and not have to get a new device. And, and you know, even with Google, you know, uh, having a Verizon phone that it's going to be a different phone. And so if you are on T-Mobile and you decide you want to be on Verizon, you have to get a new handset. And until that changes, and until the carriers finally give up and decide that they are just dumb pipes, and that's going to have to happen. There's no alternative. People are not going to put up with this nonsense forever. Um, Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, it's until the, until that happens, we're not we're not going to be in uh, we're not going to be in the in in the in the well, the utopia. Google, the reason I think people are a little bit upset that that maybe Google haven't come out and 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 <laughs> as you said, White Knight have have come and solved the problem with the carriers. Really, is because their market is is horizontal, whereas Apple markets is Apple's market is is vertical. Apple's investment in the mobile phone is because they're putting everything into it. They're writing the stack from top to bottom, whereas Google only Google creating Android and 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 opening this up to other people, and they they're creating a phone to add to the mix. Basically, they want more people using smarter phones to be able to get on the internet, so they can use Google and 
brand advertising, right? They're horizontal, whereas Apple are looking at the thing from everything from a single device perspective. That we will do one device the best way we can, and we will control everything about it. It's a lot like uh, the I, uh, a lot like the market in the 1980s with, with personal computers when you had the Commodore 64, which is extremely vertical, and you had uh, the IBM PC, which is much more horizontal, um, with uh, Commodore owning all the the chip man, uh, factory, uh, manufacturing and everything, so that they could create a, a Commodore 64 for $595, when an Apple would cost you $2,000. Um, you know, people couldn't understand how they got it so cheap. Um, I think it's like that, that, they're, that Google just want more people using smartphones, and so they're not really solving the carrier problem yet, because they're... they're they're helping contribute to the overall of it through mass. The more Android phones they get out there, the more uh, mass they get out there to be able to, 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 to tip the carriers over the edge and into you know, in, into a, a freedom for the masses. Right, and, and it's not necessarily in Google's best interest to rock the boat too much. Uh, you know, Apple could probably get away with more boat rocking than Google can. And, and, and I think because... You know, Android, in a way, is is kind of the Microsoft to Apple's Apple, uh, because you know ultimately they're they're out there promoting the software and working with multiple hardware vendors. And I think, like like Microsoft Windows, um, the Android market is going to be uh, is going to have more choice. Certainly, there's going to be a greater variety of price points that you can get on an Android device. But like Windows, uh, I think you're going to find the quality is more uneven. And so, you know, I, I think once this market matures a little bit, it, it, it might seem a little bit more like the Windows PC market in that you can pay a premium price and you can get uh, you can get premium hardware or you can get uh cheap stuff that isn't quite as good um and uh you know so you know i think is that is that better is that worse you know i don't i don't know but you know google's not going to you know i i guess that was that was the hope with the google <laughs> phone is that you know this this was something and and my my understanding was it was very much uh the kind kind of the idea was was somewhat that for this this was for their internal consumption um and so yeah, yeah I was that was really it was weird how the phone was really outbreak. discovered and and you know by basically dog fooding it internally and then out of nowhere this has become a product i found that very strange i actually tend to think that this isn't so hot. I'm looking at one of the articles that was on the VOS News front page that was uh, linked off of some bloggers page, I forget who, why Google has blown up with the Nexus One, and I, I think that I subtexted it in Google Reader, in other news, blogger whines he doesn't have two cookies when given one, looks like an idiot. <laughs> I don't think that Google is trying to be the white knight here and free us all from the tyranny of the networks. I, Come on, guys. They're a business. What they're trying to do is, I think they're trying to say, this is what we can do with this platform. This is how much more we can do with it. And I think it's trying to up the ante on the carriers, trying to say, okay, well, now we have to look at, now we have to compare ourselves to this standard and see what we can do with it. And I think that's what Google's really trying to do. They're trying to get... Uh, 
they're trying to, uh, to keep the carriers from making these lower-end cheap phones just because they can save the money on the operating system development. Right, right. So, uh, to, you know, to, to, to shift gears a little bit, um, one of the in, very interesting pieces of news to come out of CES so far um, and something we've talked about a little bit on OS News this week is, uh, is Palm. And, uh, you know, Palm, there was quite a bit of excitement, uh, you know, with, with Palm's, you know, first launch of, of, their, of their, their new phone operating system and handsets. And, and, then, uh, and then they really kind of lost their thunder, um, you know, partially because, you know, what can ever live up to the hype? Uh, I think maybe the first, uh, I think probably the biggest problem that Palm has is their, is, is the, the lack of momentum on the developer front. I mean, I, I looked at a, uh, I can't remember where I saw it now, but there was a, a, a one sheet kind of comparison of, of the major platforms. And I hadn't realized that Palm only had a, a few hundred apps, basically. Um, yeah. Now I think you can take you can take that too far, because you know frankly the difference in having fifty thousand apps and having a hundred thousand apps is negligible, because <laughs> you know once once you have tens of thousands of apps, that almost certainly means that you have hundreds or even thousands of apps that basically all do the same thing, and so you know the the, the incremental value is not very much, but the difference between having 300 apps and having 3,000 apps, I think, is monumental. And so that, that's, that's a huge problem that Palm has. Well, But I, I wanted to talk a little problem, bit about... I think Go that's ahead. the problem with, uh, with, uh, with Palm's developer strategy is they, they're using such a unique uh, developer strategy for applications. All of the other smartphones that are currently dominating the market are either Java-based, like Android or uh, BlackBerry. And uh, the iPhone uses uh, Objective-C, doesn't it? It doesn't have a, a JVM. Right, yeah. So, the, the, you know, the iPhone's got its oddball, but it has the advantage of, of being first and having generated a lot of excitement. So a lot of people went out there and made the effort it's to the get... the same as OS X development, development, so it's not oddball in the sense of Apple and the Mac platform, is it really? No. It's just yeah. an actual extension. Right. Code and start hacking apps as much as you want. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But, any, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> That's something that annoys me about research in motion is that you can you you can spend hours on Google trying to find a hello world for BlackBerry and how to set up an environment, and all you do is get points in books that cost forty dollars on Amazon. Ah! <laughs> about Palm Pre, they, they're using such a a different development environment that everything is just DHTML, and because of that, a lot of Traditional app developers don't quite know what to do. <laughs> if you come from an application programming background, uh, DHTML, I mean HTML and CSS and JavaScript, isn't exactly the kind of thing that you're used to thinking. <laughs> it, it doesn't work the same way. It doesn't behave the same way. In cases, it even requires a completely different mindset. That's why in a lot of business organizations you know that the back-end application program, the app server, the Java code, that 
store, web store, completely separate person from the guy who does all the HTML and SS front, because it's really right. two completely different mindsets. Now, this isn't in saying anything inherently wrong about this, but I think that it's growing the developer community that they want and they might want to develop apps for this platform, but they don't quite know how. And I think that this might help a bit once Palm further solidifies their APIs, and that's where the uh, native plugin comes into play. Also, so, of the um, developer studio they created as a web page, they, 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 um, the last piece of news that we had. Brilliant. I just love that. <laughs> uh, very, very impressive. Again, that, that helps people who are not used to doing things the web way to get a start by doing things in a more visual point-and-click way, a bit like uh, doing nibs with um, Xcode, etc. So I, I was really impressed with that. That's, that's uh, you know, Yes, it's definitely a different paradigm, and that probably is harming them in some respect, but uh, long-term, I think it's a it's a good idea. It's just whether or not they can maintain the the momentum long enough. Well, they're they're you know one of the big announcements from CES is there is that they want to juice that with cold hard cash. So uh, they've announced uh, this hot apps program, and there it's basically a big contest uh, to um, to 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 encourage uh, people to submit apps. And, uh, you know, they're giving away like a million dollars in prizes. The top prize, uh, I believe, is $100,000 for the, the most popular um, application, you know, the most downloads. Just the most uh, downloads. I mean, you could do that the most with a download. font app. I mean, what, what, <laughs> exactly. what's judging quality here? <laughs> well, it, it seems like they're just going with with popularity, so we'll see how that works. Right. We'll, we'll see on uh, after the May thirty first deadline. Yeah. We'll see whether it's a fart app that gets the hundred thousand dollars. Best ten <laughs> minutes spent ever. I I, I I suspect it'll probably be a productivity app. That's my guess, but um, uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. Um, do, do you do you guys think that the that 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 a that a um, you know give it, do you think that giving away money will will be enough to to um, you know bring some serious people into the the Palm Apps uh, business that aren't here now? It might bring some. Um, I keep thinking of uh, of a an a NPR uh, show that I listened to yesterday that was about uh, incentivizing at work and it made an interesting point that money isn't everything and that in some cases the challenge is a lot more interesting and I think really Palm is, is facing facing a momentum issue is that not quite everyone knows what to do with it yet and no one has made an app that just goes wow and makes other people want to, to try to see what else they can get out of the platform. And I don't think that the hardware they currently have available helps. I know that they released the Palm Pre Plus and the Pixie Plus, but both of those devices still have fairly lackadaisical hardware reviews. It would be nice if they could come up with the, the equivalent of the Droid phone for WebLS, something that really does start to blow the doors off things that people can get really excited about. Yeah, exactly. And if motor and if hapless Motorola can do it, then Palm can certainly do it. 
Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> Although yes. I, I, I'm impressed by their backflip sound. That, that was actually a fairly smart design, even if it's a bit counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah, it seems, it seems really cool. And, of course, Palm uh, cer- certainly has, uh, has, has made one kind of major announcement um, which is you know it the 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 freedom and the flexibility in the in the kind of app distribution that they're planning of course uh most OS newsreaders i think would would feel that that's a big step in the right direction and, and hope that other that the other uh vendors um you know take note uh you, you know they're they're giving all sorts of easy they're basically making it easy for you to get your apps on your phone really no matter where they come from you know uh through their app store uh d- you know directly by clicking on a link and, and installing it um you know b- being able to make custom front ends to, to the app store so that, that that you can kind of uh you know you you can make a, a custom version of their app catalog that that displays things the way that you think they should be displayed and, and promote that to people. So, you know, that there, there, there's a lot, there's a lot going on right there. And, and, and certainly the geeks are going to be uh, applauding that. But, um, you know, again, is, is that enough to, to kind of get them out of the doldrums is the real question. Um, the i5 is, is working. It's as broken as the model is for developers, for consumers, it's working. And they don't know, any better until they get better. Um, yes, the iPhone in App Store is absolutely full of crap, but um, again, it's successful. <laughs> what, what, what outside factor has to force Apple to make a single change whatsoever? Right. Yeah. I mean, ulti- yeah. Ultimately, that ultimately that's the problem. The, the amount of bad will that Apple has 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 earned for itself among the geek elite. Mm. Is is one thing, but but when it all comes down to it, the 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 juggernaut has has not uh, slowed down at all. Simply because, you know, so so many so many people keep buying and using iPhones, and and even even the, you know, there there have been a kind of a few high profile people who you know have very publicly stopped using their iPhone for ideological reasons. And failed. You know, folk, uh, or, you know, or, or you know, you know, people like like uh, you know Michael Arrington, who who you know very very publicly and in, in, in a in a great huff, you know, stopped using the iPhone. Um, but but uh, I I I think there really are very few people. You know, most of the most of the kind of the most of the geek elite iPhone uh, people who are upset with Apple, like me. Uh, just keep you, you know, just keep using the iPhone because they, it's the best one. The, <laughs> I mean, I've used the Android and I don't like it as much. Publicly saying so. that you're not going to use the iPhone to try and prove a point is basically like saying I'm not going to shoplift. I've never shoplifted in my life anyway, but I'm not going to shoplift. That'll stop it. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> it will do absolutely nothing whatsoever. Boycotting the iPhone will do jack all. It does <laughs> all it does is just make you look like a jackass. If you boycott it, you don't need to tell people about it. Just do it. <laughs> I don't right. ever I mean, plan yeah. to buy an iPhone if I can help it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, see, the problem is it's a lot easier to not use the iPhone if you've never used the iPhone. Exactly. Because then, then when you get your hands on, a, on an Android phone, you don't know what you're missing. Because the truth is, going from an iPhone, at least right now, and I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite optimistic that um, I'm quite optimistic that uh, that the gap is going to be closed, uh, uh, particularly between Android and the iPhone. Um, I, I think that the user experience will probably evolve in different directions. You know, to where it's never going to be. It's never going to be kind of an identical experience because there are going to become different conventions and different kind of user interface uh, uh, decisions that are made. But I, you know, I think that I think that the kind of the quality gap is is going to close. And, and frankly, I hope it does. In fact, frankly, I hope at some point we all wake up and discover that there's a better that there's a that there's a clearly better uh, mobile computing platform than the iPhone because what that's going to do is that's going to be a wake up call to Apple, yeah. and you know I'll tell you if 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 Windows uh, if Windows Seven and and frankly Windows Vista hadn't been as good as it was, there's no way that Leopard or Snow Leopard would be as good as it is. Um, and that's that's just absolutely the truth. I mean, one of the reasons why the Mac OS went through a long period of of, of really not getting better, you know, uh, <laughs> you know but between between System Seven oh, Six, <laughs> yeah, between be, between System Seven Six and System Nine of the Mac OS, yeah, nothing uh, changed. <laughs> you can you can make a strong case that it just got slower each time. Um, you know, yeah. and they were taking two steps forward and one step back. Um, and and you know, one of the reasons. Like OS nine on a Performa sixty two hundred. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know, and and of course, one of the reasons was because you know Apple was was had bad management, but another one of the reasons was because Windows was so lousy during that time, that you know Apple could rest on its laurels, and still have the better operating system. You know, because you know, pre Windows ninety five, it was oh. it was pretty dismal out there for a Windows user. Well, um, you know, being somebody who the iPhone since its release really hasn't changed all that much. Haven't they been resting on their laurels because no one else has been there to compete with them? Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. And and by the way, I just said Windows ninety five when I went, went meant Windows XP. Um, but you know, pre pre Windows XP, it was pretty dismal to be a Windows user. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, absolutely, yeah. I, I think I, I think that that the iPhone has been resting on its laurels, and uh, you know, I'm I'm quite looking forward to to seeing, you know, now that the now that the competitive pressure is heated up considerably, um, I'm very curious to see what the next version, you know, what the next big reveal of the iPhone is going to be. Yeah, looking at ads for the Nexus One, I'm. I can't help but think of Google snarking against Apple, saying, "Ha, we have lot, lot of wallpapers that do stuff. Do you even have wallpaper?" Right. Sorry, I just wanted to say to the users, apologies for the very, 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 very varying um, sound quality in Skype here. Uh, you two are probably hearing me okay, but uh, you, you keep coming in and out of various level qualities. I think that's because at the moment I'm downloading the whole OS new source repository and either an SSH in the background, and that's probably interfering, but I can't cancel that because it's several gigs in size. <laughs> oh, well. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, but but anyway, um, you know, speaking of Apple's uh, next new iPhone reveal, which is which which is in the future, uh, of course, there's rampant speculation that uh, what is it on the on the 25th of this month? Um, there's going to be a a, a big uh, earth-shattering Apple event, <laughs> earth-shattering uh, TM Apple event. Um, and of, of course, the the scuttlebutt, of course, is that it's going to be Apple's fabled uh, tablet computer. Um, should, should we talk about that a little bit? Uh, should we also talk about the HP Slate because that's real? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. we can't we can't talk about the can't talk about the the Apple uh, the Apple tablet without talking about Microsoft's pathetic attempt at stealing <laughs> Apple's thunder. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, jump right into it, Croc. Well, I just think that it's it's um, OEMs, and, and it's particularly a shame that it's Hewlett Packard, of a company who's got so much engineering prowess on their consumer front, is so utterly pathetic um, that they will just do something that's utterly half-assed as possible, and if it fails, then just put the blame on Microsoft for it. I mean, you couldn't make a more half-assed effort uh, at all. I mean, wow. Uh, haven't we been here before? Oh yes, with Windows XP tablets. Oh yeah, and you know, and, and I think it was especially, it was a, it was especially heartbreaking for people who would be excited about you know a, a tablet coming out of Microsoft because Microsoft had teased a lot of people with this. I, I can't remember what it's Korea. called, but this. The, the book the, the the book form factor tablet that they, yeah. that they they've had in their r and d that that really looks really really cool and so of course they tantalized people with with uh, with with this and then they they announced this thing and everybody's excited and then you know basically oh hey everybody we've upgraded our craptacular windows xp tablets to windows 7 that's essentially what they've done um, and uh, so yeah <laughs> it's going to be an absolute flop. Um, Windows 7 is not the UI for it, and the OEMs can't be trusted to make a good UI um, for it either. Um, not least the crap that they ship with PCs anyway, um, and they're going to be adding yet more to it. And so they're going to have these horrible things thrusted upon consumers who are going to be absolutely lost, sheep to the slaughter, as they or lambs to the slaughter, as they already are anyway when it comes to purchasing computers. And I can't see any practical purpose for the for the device. It is the same issue as, as why people have, uh, are so uncertain about the Apple tablet. Is is what purpose does this serve? You've got a where does it sit between a netbook and a desktop computer and a laptop? Uh, who's going to spend this much money on a device that is just for reading on the bog? Well, I have I have one I have one a uh, one word answer to that, and that word is Kindle. Um, mm-hmm. y- y- you know, the tr- the truth is that yeah, a lot of people do think, well, what you know, what's the what the purpose does this device serve? But you know. Amazon released a, a, a slate computer, uh, an extremely purpose specific and not very useful tablet computer, and it's been very successful. And I think one of the reasons well, that the you Kindle say successful, was they haven't released any numbers for it at all. Uh, it's been it, it's been a what do you call it? Uh, uh, it's been leading the way. What's the word? You know, um, it's created a new market, but we don't, we don't know if it's been successful or not. Well, I do because a lot of people I know have Kindles. 
That's good. And you know, you know, maybe maybe it's because I I run in a particularly you know geek centric circle, but um, I know a lot of people who have Kindles and use them all the time. So, you know, the 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 truth is that 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 uh, you know. You know, I don't have a Kindle and don't want one. I read—I actually read eBooks and other things all the time, but I read them on my iPhone, and I find that to be a very good form factor for me. But, um, but, but the main reason that I would never buy a Kindle is that if I'm going to spend that kind of money on a device for reading, I want it to be more full-featured. I want it to be more of a full personal computer than just an eBook reader. And base and frankly, you know, Apple's tablet is essentially that. It's it's a hybrid between uh, between a reader and a personal computer. Um, and if all Apple does is manage to come out with a tablet that's basically a pumped up version of the iPhone, um, I don't know if I'm going to buy one because I already have an iPhone, and I don't know if I'm going to need to spend the money to have something that's just like it only bigger. Unless portable. But. Um, yeah, I mean, really but, a lot of this, a, a lot of the devices that we're seeing coming out, the, especially with e-readers, the only real advantage that they give, other than the catalog lock-in that they have available to them, is the screen. And what would be really nice is if someone could come up with a hybrid display technology. And I know that Pixel Key or Pixel QI, I think it might be called, is working mm-hmm. on a similar dual-purpose. Uh, screen design that can be full color or full video as well as uh, low power black and white uh, in transflexive mode. That would be really, really advantageous for uh, smartphones because then you could keep the power down as low as possible and you read a lot on it while the operating is not consuming as much battery power. Nothing tells you the limitations of smartphones more being on a flight to Germany <laughs> and have nothing else to do. <laughs> certainly, certainly. I mean, you know, for for me, the you know, I have I have heretofore resisted buying a netbook, even though I kind of like the idea of having a uh, you know a small form factor computing device that I can that I can use. It's easier to carry around. You know, my my main. My main computer is a is a, a 15 inch MacBook, uh, which is a terrific computer. But um, you know, I, I I do sometimes wish that I had something you know more lightweight that I could carry around with me that was a, just a little bit more, just a little bit more of a computer than my iPhone is. Oh, I, and, I can certainly hear you with that because it's really incredibly annoying having to lug a business. business uh, stack a Dell laptop through the TSA as well as a personal laptop. But um, <laughs> if, if I could only find the perfect de- device had an SSD drive and a Wacom digitizer so I could use to draw pictures, I mean, I would love that. The device just does not exist. <laughs> so, you know, so the, really the, th- the thing that I'm holding out for, and, and I don't know whether the Apple tablet will ever be this, but I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that within the next three years, I, I am going to see a device that fits the bill. But I mean, essentially what I'm looking for is a, is a, is a, 
a netbook where the and and I and I've seen several of these of these form factors so far. Just they haven't quite pulled it together, but basically a netbook with a detachable keyboard. Um, you know, so that you have a uh, you've you've got your you've got your touch screen tablet screen that you can put either put down in front of or attach to a keyboard and use like a laptop. And um, you know the real problem with with those various form factors, you know, basically the entire genre of you know convertible laptop, which has been around for a decade or more. It's always been the software. The software has never been up to the task of of the of the touch interface. So that you know, the touch interface has, has always been a you know a total afterthought um, to these things. But it, I because of because of passing it on to Windows. I mean, Windows is not ex- exactly. I mean, the reason I think that Apple might be able to pull it off is not because Apple can do no wrong. But mostly because Apple has proven with the iPhone that they can do a touch interface that really has the right stuff, um, and 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 so far no one else, including Android, has has demonstrated that to me. So that's that's what I that's what I'm holding out for is basically a a convertible you know netbook slash tablet that 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 gets me almost to where I need to be to be for a full. Um, you know, a full personal computing experience, but in that, in that kind of form factor. So we'll see. Um, live tumbleweed. Um, have we I run have out of stuff add, to I talk have, about? <laughs> I have nothing to add to that really. I think you're very right. Um, talk about the Apple tablet, unfortunately is just adding to the pile of, of rubbish that's already on the internet. And we obviously won't know until, <laughs> Into it, uh, actually, uh, until Apple's actually event, uh, Apple, until Apple's <laughs> Maybe actual event. Maybe we will all be surprised by Apple's announcement, and they have digitized Steve Jobs and uploaded him into an enormous, a giant robot armature with cannons for arms. <laughs> you, you know, and, and then what's going to happen is that there's going to be some kind of uh, kind of uh, mess up, and then the original. <laughs> The original is going to get destroyed. Oh, wait a second. Isn't there a TV show about that? <laughs> Actually, um, wouldn't it be funny if, if that, because at the moment all we know is is that uh, when it comes to Apple is that the fandom uh, creates the hype. Apple doesn't have to do bloody anything and, and, and people just create hype for them. It would be quite funny if, if the event is... Everybody gets there expecting a tablet, and Apple just announced, "Oh, we've got new MacBook Pros in colors." That's it. Thank you. <laughs> and they're just left there going, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I want to see something totally. <laughs> that, that would be. That, that would be funny. That would be funny. Well, you know, the thing is, people are always saying about how, oh, you know, the Mac fanatics, you know, they'll buy anything. It, it, that's not actually true, though. I mean, the the Apple fanatics are certainly willing to give Apple the benefit of the doubt, but when it really comes down to it, Apple does from time to time release products that people don't really care about and don't really need. Um, and you know, I mean, the Apple the Apple TV is an, <laughs> yeah. an example of of something that you know Apple has released with much fanfare. Steve Jobs personally 
uh, has a lot of enthusiasm for it. But um, you know, and there are you know there are people who are who really love the Apple TV, like like uh, uh, OS News's own Adam Scheinberg, who's a very enthusiastic Apple TV user. But just because Apple makes it, and even just because it's actually kind of a cool thing, doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be successful and that people are going to run out and buy them because Apple fans haven't run out. And yeah, the Gil Emilio years demonstrate that. Very even within the reality distortion. Mm. I'm sorry? The Gil Emilio years demonstrate that very effectively. <laughs> <laughs> you know, absolutely. So, you know, even within the reality distortion field, um, you know, the, the products are judged on their merits. Ultimately, you know, as 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 much as people will be there at the at the announcement events, you know, clapping and cheering, um, you know, once the once the RDF uh, uh, wears off, you know, people don't necessarily go out and buy it unless they really want it. So, we'll see what happens with the. Whatever it is that they announce on the twenty fifth, new MacBook Airs. <laughs> we haven't had anything with those for a while. That's another one I like. The Apple TVs, the MacBook Air is it's engineering prowess, but it's not necessarily that practical. And so the same thing with a tablet. If they're making a big iPhone, it's uh, is it going to? Uh, everybody's going to love it, but is it going to meet the needs of the regular Joe? Yeah, well, yeah, it, 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 that that that's a good example because you know I remember watching the, the the announcement of the MacBook Air and I was very enthusiastic about it. I'm like, I'm gonna buy one of those. And then I went to the website and I started looking at the specs and I started looking at the price and I'm like, I'm not gonna buy one of these. <laughs> they, they they missed the mark. Uh, they got close enough to get me really excited, but then I you know I looked at it with a critical eye and had some and had some time to think about it and I'm like, not worth it. And so I never got one. Also, it's just, I just made me think of something is that uh, um, one thing that's been debated, of course, is, is with, with a possible potential uh, theoretical, hypothetical Apple tablet that uh, whether or not it's going to have 3G in it. And therefore, if you're talking about contracts, what's that going to mean for those who are already, the Apple faithful, who are already carrying or touting iPhones? Um, are you going to be paying for yet another contract with, a, with AT&T? You know, yeah, you know that's that's a real that's a really important thing, and I think for you know they're talking about you, you know netbooks, you, you know the 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 mobile carriers, um, you know uh, you know giving you netbooks with three G and you know tablet computers with three G and stuff, and and I'm just going to say something. Uh, anybody who wants to disagree with me can, but I think it's ridiculous. To, for the carriers to think that anybody is going to pay for more than one overpriced 3G contract, no matter how many devices they have. And unless, and, and unless they get it through their skulls, that the most that they are going to be able to charge for a second 3G device, you know, uh, belonging to the same person, the most is going to be 10 to $15. I will pay an extra I will pay an extra ten to fifteen dollars on top of my, you know, eighty nine dollar AT and T bit. You're insane. You're <laughs> insane. Oh my days. Um, but but well you know actually I have a I have a two hundred and fifty dollar AT and T bill that has that has five people on it. But um, 
but you know, there's just no way. This is going to be the case, isn't it? If you've got an iPhone and you've got a tablet, well, no, you don't want to pay two separate 3G contracts for that. That's absurd. Um, and right. you would expect tethering, but AT and T want to charge you extra for tethering when really you're paying for the data anyway. You're just paying for them to, be able to unlock the facility uh, to, to Apple to give you the keys so that you can use tethering on your, you know, d- the device and the data that you've already paid for anyway. Right, and I, you know, and I have a jailbroken iPhone, and I can tether with it if I want to, if I'm if I'm not afraid of getting caught. Um, uh oh, I hope no one from AT and T is listening to me. I'm not telling you what my phone number is. Um, but um, you know, so I could do it, but I don't want to. I don't want to have to go through that. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to burn through the battery on my iPhone while I'm burn throughing the battery on my on my tablet. Um, so they're, they're just going to have to, they're, they're just going to have to come to their senses and, and offer some kind of, you know, bundling package where they can make maybe a little bit more money, maybe an extra $10 to give me a second SIM. Um, and I would pay that. I would pay $10 a month extra to have a second SIM so that I can use, I can use my, you know, and, and, and honestly, I I would even put up with some kind of technological hack on their part that didn't permit me to use 3G on my iPhone and on my tablet at the same time for example you know just so that they can so that so that so that you know you can't try to trick them by by saying that you have a bunch of devices but distributing among your friends or something like that in order to you know cheat them out of money that they're entitled to but um, there's no way I'm going to be paying forty or fifty dollars extra to have 3G on a second device when I'm already paying yeah. for it on my. Apple themselves are probably tss, well, Mr. Jobs anyway is probably seething with rage at AT and T because Apple just want to get on with the future and um, and AT and T is just this massive hurdle or carries in general and the and the UK uh, sorry the US networks are, are just a, a massive hurdle in general and certainly um, when you think that uh, the iPhone was originally sold at six hundred dollars and they still had people queuing out the door for it and this is of course when the uh, it, the iPhone was being introduced into a market where, where who would pay for a mobile phone you get them free <laughs> yeah yeah so are they going to necessarily well you know the truth go on go on yeah the, yeah, the, 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 tr- the truth is I think that ultimately people especially the early adopter type folks are willing to pay are are willing to pay money for a device, um, and uh, you know, especially one that's that's really groundbreaking. But um, there, there's just a there, there's a there's a limit, especially on when it comes to monthly fees as to how much it is. Because I I know that I know that people in general are are not are are stupid when it comes to math and and economics. <laughs> But uh, it do- you don't have to be that smart to realize, um, you know, how much money you're spending on uh, network access uh, over oh, the course yeah, of geez. a year. It's it's yeah. you know ulti- you know ultimately with these with these fancy phones, you know everybody everybody does realize that um, these phones don't cost two hundred dollars. Um, they cost twenty six hundred dollars over the course of two years. Uh, you know, when you take into account both the phone and the and the mandatory uh, uh, service fees, so we're gonna have to do something about that. Perhaps it's about time that uh, if the uh, carriers could perhaps I don't know get with the times that they should do um, 
basically the, you should be able to purchase a data plan as a person and not as a device. You should be able to buy a data plan for you and then it doesn't matter what device you use as long as it's authenticated as you uh, so that you can have your home broadband and your mobile phone and your uh, and, and your network etc all running off of the same network um, and you just pay for the fact that you're using it. Well, it's going to have to happen eventually because I don't see what alternative there is because people aren't they're they're just not going to they're just not going to pay the money for something else. And the only alternative to 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 what you're proposing is that people basically just have one device at a time. Yes. And uh and and ultimately it's not in the carrier's best interest to do that. It's in the carrier's best interest to getting you uh, to 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 depend on them and their services as much as possible, and uh, so the only way that ultimately they're going to do that is by being more reasonable about that kind of thing. Um, we're just about hit an hour now, and uh, I think we should probably wrap it up there. I'm actually amazed that we managed to talk for so long. I was uh, surprised. <laughs> well, I I hope everybody was 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 on the edge of their seats, riveted. And captivated by the things that we were saying. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, is there any last things that uh, any any last uh, uh, words that people want to say to add to the show? I can't really. No, it's anything. been a, it's been a pleasure as always. Yes, to, thank to, you, David, to, for being able to join us. I understand that it is obviously yeah, I, you have to get up at stupid o'clock to be able to join uh, the podcast. Well, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Uh, with that you can uh, if you've got any comments uh, replies, rebuttals um, please uh, post them on the website at osnews.com when we publish the podcast there you can almost also email us at crew at osnews.com and uh, we'll be sure to reply to those or um, mention it in the next podcast um, thank you everybody for listening and uh, and hopefully there's enough news that we can do a show next week as well Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. See ya.